everybody. Uh, welcome back to Star Trek MTT, Megan's Top 20. <laughs> it's her best part of this. That she, you always giggle about that. <laughs> you love me doing the voice. Um, we're back. Uh, we, we're probably going to do this this week, and we're sorry we took another week off. It just life got in the way of things, and we might probably gonna take another break next week. Yeah. Uh, we will get back to doing this regularly, I promise. It's just that life's been complicated. As you know, it's... 2021? <laughs> 2021! Life's, Fuck! <laughs> life's, life's just been complicated. So we're going yeah. to try to get through... Uh, we're going to do our Star Trek episode this week. We're probably not going to do our rock starring episode, but we are going to try to get that done next week. Yeah. With another Star Trek episode. Or the week after, because... At the latest. At the latest, because we might have other obligations. It is because Valentine's week next week. Yes. So anyway, um, and we both have full-time jobs. Yes. So... On that note, we did watch Star Trek, mm -hmm. uh, Next Generation episode, Data's Day. Uh, uh, Eric was not excited. No, no, no. Uh, well, I, well, we get into. He don't hate this. I like. I, well, okay. Let's let's get okay. into this. My first time. I, I'll go first because I watched these first. Uh -huh. I watched this when it came out, as as I've done with all of Next Generation. Only there was a single Next Generation episode I did not see when it came out, or at least shortly thereafter. Yeah. Uh, and, because the show premiered, I think, in, what, 86? 87, 88, something like that? It was 87 or 88, something So I would have like been, like, two or three when the first few seasons came out, so I probably watched those on rewatch, but the point is there isn't a single Star Trek Next Generation episode I didn't see before Megan. So I remember watching this when it came out, and I would have probably been about 10-ish when this came out, 10 to 12, and as a result... I or, might have been born, I don't when know. I, when I saw this... <laughs> and as a result, well, it would have been you about six when this came out. I'm not that much older than you. This is the fourth season, right? Yeah. And it's 88, so I've been like two at yeah, most. Okay. <laughs> well, then I was about eight or nine, maybe ten or twelve when I actually saw it, but I didn't catch it on its first run. But the reason I bring yeah. it up is, at that age, a talky episode about politics and weddings is not all that interesting to a kid. <laughs> so I found it kind of boring. Uh, but like a lot of episodes that I have since come around to as an adult to liking a lot more like Inner Light, I do admit this is a much, much better episode than I gave credit for. I still don't love it though. Yeah. I've grown to love Inner Light like everyone else has, but I don't love this one. I do like it though. It yeah. is right in the middle of the renaissance of Next Generation, which is about season, season four. Season four to season six is the sweet spot. Like there's a good chunk in season three and even season two that is good. And there's a couple of good episodes in season seven, especially the finale. But, but. three to about four to six is the sweet spot, which is great episode after great episode. Even after the, great episode. Even the lackluster episodes are at least told interestingly. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a good example of this episode, yeah. where it's actually kind of a, a standard Star Trek story. Very standard. It's actually almost a carbon copy of the original Romulan episode we reviewed, A Balance of Terror, where yeah. it was both a Romulan plot. And there's a, a wedding. wedding, and this and those two stories kind of bump into each other in the, in the course of the telling. A um, little less tragic than that. A <laughs> little less tragic, but you know what I don't mean. Yeah. The, the elements yeah. are roughly the same. It's, a, it's the same starting point. It's just that this one is told from one particular perspective, yeah. Data's. And this is about the time when Data was slowly but surely climbing to a pop culture icon. Yeah. In the days before the internet, which is much harder to do. Yes. I mean, Spock somehow achieved it, but, like, well, it's think, really, really hard to do. I'll be 100% honest with you. I think Spock achieved, like, 
incredible status for two reasons. One, Leonard Nimoy, especially at that age, was a handsome man. And two, Spock was portrayed as an intellectual before he was anything else. Yeah. He wasn't portrayed as sexy because he was muscular. That was Kirk's thing. That's why yeah. he got him shirtless whenever they could. <laughs> um, Spock was sexy because of his mind, and that was so unique at the era because this is this would have been 60s, so just after the 50s when you know all the heroes were movie stars that were out shooting the Nazis. Yeah. Uh, like an intellectual. I don't think they took into account that women like that kind of stuff. <laughs> there are women who like muscles. Yes. I deny that. No, I but know because I've never had them, have, and I've had very few women. You have to, to remember me. that, like. There's still the ter- stereotype that women prefer muscles in all cases. Not all women do. Yeah. A lot of women are attracted to emotions or intellect. And yeah. Spock struggled with it. He was just vulnerable enough because of his weakness to emotions and his daddy issues. Yeah. And just into and super intellectual. Plus, he was super strong. He just didn't yeah. have muscles. I'm also going to be gay for a second and just mention the fact that this is also the fandom that created slash, fi- slash fiction as we know it. Sorry. <laughs> what was? Star Trek. Oh, okay. Fair enough. It did. I thought you meant this episode. I'm no, like, no, this no. Episode no. no, this one was very... Um... Riker and that big-breasted lady on the bridge he was talking to? Is that the slash fiction you're talking about? Slash fiction is <laughs> gay. Yeah. Oh, well, fair enough, fair enough. It would have been Deanna Troy and that girl that Riker was hitting on. <laughs> if only. <laughs> no, but yeah, Next Generation's a lot straighter. Who did we say that they should be A lot straighter. Who was the, what we said that we were watching the other day, and we are like, why don't you, the two girls are great, why don't they just date each other and get rid of the guy? Oh, that really bad musical we were watching. Oh, yeah, uh, the Doctor. <laughs> Jekyll, Mr. Hyde uh, musical starring the two best characters, David Hasselhoff. The two best singers slash characters in it were the two women leads. The two best actresses. Their yeah. characters both revolved around Oh, Jekyll. their characters kind of... I'd say the characters with quotation marks, but you can't see that because I keep forgetting this is an audio <laughs> setting. Such a professional. I'm very professional. Uh, but I'm so fucking good. For those good. of you that don't know, we won't go off on too big of a detail about the... But just for clarification, the characters in question are Jekyll's Love interest, who is a young woman who doesn't want to be under the heel of her father, which is great, especially with the second Victorian era. But unfortunately, he's she's also obsessed with supporting Jekyll, no matter how selfish he gets. Yeah. And then the other girl is a woman who grew up on the streets, who works at like a cabaret, and is also implied to be a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And Hyde eventually, even though she's attracted to Jekyll, Hyde eventually makes use of her services and mistreats her. And it's both of them by themselves, like. Like her, just the the prostitute lady, just being interested in science and wanting to become more than what she was. Is yeah, great. she watches lectures, even though she's technically not invited to do so. Yeah, and then uh, the the lady who was against who who was against her father, telling her who she couldn't couldn't marry, what she couldn't couldn't do. Those were great elements to those characters, but then both of those were subsumed for their obsession with Doctor Jekyll. Yeah. And um, that element just didn't work. Plus, they were much better singers. They were the best singers and best actresses or actors in the whole thing. Yeah. So we were like, the whole thing we were watching it, we're like, you know, it would be so much more fun if, you know, David Hasselhoff just died and those two were dating. <laughs> and then we were like, oh. No, no, I should say Dr. Jekyll, not David Hasselhoff. No, no, yeah. <laughs> not David Hasselhoff himself. That's not what we meant. <laughs> Apologies to Mr. Hasselhoff if he ever hears this. Doubt it. Um, probably. And, and, you know... We don't think it was a terrible play, but honestly, it wasn't Not, the greatest we've ever seen. But There were some moments. <laughs> there were some moments, but we're getting off track. But yeah, we're way off track. So we're back track. to Data's Day. The, the point yeah. I was getting at is that Data's Day um, is a fairly standard story told from an interesting perspective, which is Data, and specifically his relationship to other people. 
the which entire, I like. Yeah, the entirety of it is a voiceover in which he's constructing a letter to tell uh, Max, Maddox, the guy yeah. who wanted to dissect him in season two, yeah. in the episode that arguably saved Star Trek in general and yeah. Next Generation in particular. Which it's a is, cute little callback thing. Yeah, which like. is, um, what was it? Measure of a Man. Measure of a Man. Which every fan who's seen that episode if knows you it's If amazing. you know anything about Star Trek and you, you've watched anything from Next Generation, you should know that one. I'm going to tell you a bit of trivia right now that I, I was saving until we actually watched it if we did. But since we're not sure we'll do Season 3 at all, much at all, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. In Season 3 of Gargoyles, yep. there was supposed to be an episode that basically copied Measure of a Man. Where <laughs> uh, G- Goliath is captured... And he's on trial, and he has to prove that he's sentient yeah. to be considered a person. And that's even, that would have been great. That's even funnier, because Riker plays the villain in that show. Well, he wasn't the prosecuting attorney. No, but you know what I mean. But it would have been really, it was really, really fun, mm-hmm. in my opinion. The, the idea that, you know, Goliath doesn't look human. I mean, so therefore, already, is he human? <laughs> well, is he, is he sentient yeah. is the question. The yeah. question goes beyond, is he human and is he sentient? Do the laws matter is he just an animal should we just throw him in a zoo or dissect him and um it would have been a great episode in my opinion a great episode if they'd done that but in season three instead they wrote the episode to be that he's on trial for a crime he didn't commit so the court just accepts the fact that this giant goliath monster gargoyle monster is a sentient creature which, I wish that was how it would work, but I guarantee you... That's Gargoyles not what really, the fuck would happen. If Gargoyles really happened, I am much more likely to believe that they would. it would take a long time for Gargoyles to be accepted as sentient creatures, even though they're walking and talking to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Because I have so much hope in humanity, you know? You know. <laughs> no. I have hope in certain aspects of humanity, but there are always bad elements. It's just that the bad elements are larger than I thought As you were. can tell by our voice, we're very broken. We're very tired. It's, it's very in, tired. In case you haven't gathered... I feel older than 30. <laughs> in case you haven't gathered from our previous conversations, we weren't exactly Donald Trump supporters, and even though he lost the election and... We got a long ass way to go. Yeah, there's a lot of people angry and still convinced he did, even though there's no evidence and it's just getting sadder and sadder and angrier and angrier and more and more exhausting so but back to a happy episode back to the happy episode data's day is told from the perspective of data to captain to commander maddox about his relationship to other people and it's what makes it interesting is that he's talking about how other people and how he can judge them and it's kind of i don't think this is the introduction of either keiko i know it's not the introduction of o'brien because he was in the pilot episode oh yeah he's been there since Although he wasn't named in the pilot episode. He was no. just the con He was officer. just O'Brien, I think. No, he was just con He's just con He didn't officer. get a name okay. at all until like And eventually three. he got O'Brien. Yeah, and then O'Brien. And then Miles. O'Brien. And then this episode they call him Miles Edward O'Brien. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think Keiko was in a previous episode, though. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I do know this is the... Um, that the the implication that they he data introduced the two of them was never that was never an episode where that happened as no aware. no but it's a cute little thing that they mm. it just I think this episode I know there's technically a background thing that happens that's part of a, a plot but to me this is an episode that's just really cute and I enjoy it because it's cute well there are three things that I absolutely 100% love the way they open this episode up which yeah. is that Data was doing the over, overnight watch which makes perfect sense yeah the, he the doesn't sleep yeah he doesn't need to sleep and the fact that there is a day and night watch is kind of weird on the spaceship anyway it makes sense to me because like human minds work in day night cycles I so. totally get that aspect of it but if something happens in the middle of the night why would you want your whole crew except for the guy who doesn't need sleep to be really tired 
Yeah. You know I mean, like your command staff should be switching off regularly. I think that's what they were doing, though, wasn't it? I mean, like, what I mean is that, like, uh, I apologize if you hear any scraping or anything like that. There's some people working on the roof. What I mean by that is that in almost every scene we see, the entire staff is on the bridge during yeah. the day. Yeah. And then there's just Data and his minimal staff at night. Hmm. And if that's the way it always runs, if something happens during Data's hours, the entire command staff is going to be bleary-eyed while they're dealing with a, a crisis. Hmm. Versus they should have, like, Commander Riker and Worf should be in, like, first shift. That way you would have at least a third of your crew, and only a third of your command staff would be sleeping. Conveniently, everything seems to happen during the day hours. That's just the weird part to me. Um, but Eric trying to logic fucking Star Trek. <laughs> I do actually like the fact that in Voyager they call back this idea of an overnight shift, and it's Harry Kim. Because yeah. the only time he can be in command is when he takes the night shift. Yeah. Captaincy position. I like that. Yeah. It's a nice element to his character. A very, very underused character. Super underused. <laughs> I mean, at least I remember his name, though. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I love, and what I was getting at with this is that I love he's doing the overnight shift. And I also love that he lays out in his report to the next commanding officer, which as a security guard, we do the same thing, the important elements. And all three of the things he mentions are important for the next story elements. Yeah. Uh, He lists the idea that uh, someone is about to give birth. Yeah. He lists that Keiko and and Miles O'Brien, or Keiko and... Miles are on the edge of getting married the next day. Yeah. Like Riker even asks him, are you nervous? He goes, I'm not capable of being nervous. He's being the, uh, he's taking the place of father of the bride for Keiko. And he also mentions that the quarters for uh, command, for Ambassador Tapel have been arranged and the, uh, the hour of uh, meeting up is like 16 hours from now or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I love that because all three of those elements are plot points in the ensuing episode and they all make sense that he would mention them because they're all important. Yeah. Which to me, that's the main point of this story is that it's important moments in life. Mm-hmm. It's about relationships and important moments in life. In the case of birth, marriage, and death, and I say that in quotations. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of like it. I don't think it leans enough into that, but I do get that that's one of the, the subtextual story points in this. Yeah, and I also like that it's like a hint. It's not like a complete exploration, but it's a kind of a hint on how Data thinks mm-hmm. and also, how he processes emotions differently. Yeah, it's also about connections, and there's particularly friendship and love. Like, Because how do you connect with somebody who has a hard time with emotional connection? And mm-hmm. I... Which is something that I think even all of us relate to in some ways. I mean, well, one of the things yeah. I love about this episode, and we'll continue from here, is that after he gets relieved, he goes to talk to Keiko, and Keiko says, "I don't want to get married. We're going to cancel the wedding." Yeah. And he goes, "Is that going to make you happy?" And she goes, "Yes." And he goes, "Oh, okay then." And I like how he doesn't understand humanity in the slightest. Yeah. Like really, I mean, I love Data to death, but. Situations like this, if he hasn't been through something similar before, like a kid, if yeah. he's in a new situation, he doesn't understand anything yeah. about how he should react to it. Yeah. Because uh, clearly she's just suffering from cold feet, yeah. which happens to a lot of people on their wedding day. And it's just the stress of getting married. Mm-hmm. And she just decides, I don't want to get married because it's obviously the marriage. It's stressful. It's it's not that. It's the marriage. It's the idea of the marriage. You yeah, know? it's the idea of change, taking that big step in your yeah. life. A big step. Will it change her relationship with Miles? Because she clearly they, they clearly love each other. We see it in DS9, mm-hmm. and we see it a little bit in the show, too, before they leave. But mm-hmm. um, 
they clearly love each other. And I'm guessing she was just worried that it would change the relationship. Like, if you get married, what if you stop loving each other? That does happen. That's a concern, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or what if we get married and we fall out of love, but we feel obliged to keep the marriage going, and then we both get attracted to someone else? Mm-hmm. You know, or like if, or what if part. one of them dies they're in starfleet that could happen at any moment now so you yeah, might be if this, nervous. Was, if this was the original series one of them would have they did in this episode <laughs> shut up eric <laughs> you know that one's a good episode yeah we reviewed it and i liked it i'm just saying it's it's not unheard of i know but yeah it's like a lot of things that you can you can pro- it, it sounds weird to say this but you can project her nervousness about this very easily and it's just a, it's a really good element. Mm-hmm. So Data goes to uh, talk to uh, Miles and lays out that Keiko has done something to make herself He's got really happy. good news. Yeah. <laughs> Keiko has done something that will make her much, much happier. And Miles goes, oh, what's that? She's canceling the wedding. And then Miles oh, gets mad and storms like, off. The- Basically, he's, it's the closest he can get to saying the F word yeah. like he wants to, but we know he can't. Except the new track. They can say it all the time. Shut up. <laughs> it's no. one of the few things of new Discovery Season 3 that they cut no back sense. on the F-bombs, but they're still there. Yeah, I don't like that, but we'll ignore it. <laughs> uh, by the way, we got a, um, we got a uh, introduction of the Zukov. Which is an ambassador class ship, which was what the Enterprise C was. It's actually a reused, a touched up model of the yesterday's Enterprise Enterprise, but it's mm. the Zukovs, the ambassador class. And I love the title, the Zukov. Yeah. Because it's nice to see them naming something other than, you know, English character people or words, yeah. general words. Yeah. Um, Stop, it's, it's enough of the Earth shit. Yeah. Well, not only that, it's not, not the North just Ameri- Earth, American. American and English. Earth shit. Because <laughs> we all know the Enterprise is named not after the word, but after the series of ships called the Enterprise. Yeah. The HMS Enterprise. The, 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 the shuttle, the Enterprise shuttle. Well, that was named for Star Trek. Yeah, but... that came out in the 60s. You know what I mean. There, there was a series of ships called the Enterprise. Yeah, a lot of them. In fact, they even do a, a little send-off yeah. of it on um, Enterprise, the TV show, where in Captain Archer's quarters, he has the photos of all the past ships named Enterprise. Yeah. And there's a great joke from Shran where he goes, "Did you serve on all these ships?" And I would have, if I was yeah. Archer, I would have said yes. <laughs> I would have said. Well, I, I like the idea that <laughs> yeah. his response to that when he says, "No, those are a bit before my time, but they were all named Enterprise." That one circled Earth's oceans about 1600 years ago, and then Shran smiles and says. My ship was named after the first ice cutter to circumnavigate Andoria. And it's a nice little connection between their yeah, cultures. That I, they both did that. They're it was a cultures. cute it's a cute thing. Yeah, they're such a sweet couple. Look it up that slash even... fiction tonight, aren't you? <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> Damn. I'm dead. Fuck. You know it's out there. Because Archer honestly had more chemistry with Shran than he had with any of the fem- females he was ever hooked up with, including Tabal. I know. I know. <laughs> Damn. The reason now I'm, I'm going to be thinking about that. Is... You've ruined my night. <laughs> I've made your night. Don't pretend otherwise. You <laughs> love gayifying characters. It's not <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> True. It's By seeing way, chemistry between characters. Yeah, well, they have good And chemistry. having fun reading it. Yeah, they have good chemistry. Uh, by the way, the name according to Starship, Star Trek Encyclopedia, the Zukov was named for the Russian general Georgi Zukov. 
Mm. which is nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's actually a real general. I hope it is, but I'm just glad it was named something other than, you know, the Trump or <laughs> <laughs> something like don't, that. Don't fucking say shit like that. <laughs> so then we get uh, the scene where Data goes to see Jordy in the barber's room, and they're having him and the barber are having friendly insults. Stuff that we do all the time. Yeah, insulting each other. And Data's like, I don't quite understand how to do this shit. Oh, before this, the the, the command the ambassador came on board and she went straight to Picard's office and said, uh, Riker, you're dismissed. Get out. I gotta talk to the captain, basically. And she yeah. gave him that Vulcan way of being rude. And uh, as soon as Riker walked outside, uh, he goes, she's a lovely woman, isn't she? And then Data's voiceover goes, I, his, based on his tone and inflection, I do not believe that Miranda Riker means that. In fact, I think he means the exact opposite of what he just said. <laughs> I'm like, sarcasm. I love it. <laughs> I, I really do like that sarcasm. It makes sense to me that sarcasm is something that Data has a really hard time understanding. Because yeah. he's just so blatantly honest about things. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Same with friendly insults. He, does, he mentions he can't quite master that either because he doesn't understand the idea that you can be close enough with someone to insult them. Yeah. Insults are meant to degrade someone. But yet we use it as friendly barbs and it's yeah. It's confusing. meant to show how comfortable you are with someone. Yeah. They can say that it doesn't bother you. And it doesn't bother you. You also know where the line is, the things you shouldn't if say. If you go too far, yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> Duh. Mm-hmm. By the way, in this scene where Jordy basically lays out, you know, the, they're going to get married, just relax, don't worry about it. You probably shouldn't have said it that way to Commander O'Brien. You should probably go ahead and get a gift for yeah, him. Yeah, get stuff. a gift. Uh, in the background this time, I've never noticed this before, they have a, a really, really cool, cool effect. Really cool, well, a really cool alien design first. There's a yeah. lady in the background behind Data where she has this really weird alien face. Yeah. And she's sitting with this really weird hairdo, this kind of multi-level, like... Green hairdo. Well, no, I'm just talking about the design of yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah. it looks like It's a like light... a couple buns on top of each other, yeah, but it's, it's not... It's it's loopy. It's like a buns and loops and, like, a, a stem between the two. It's, yeah. it's a very strange design, but it, it's interesting. Yeah. And then we see her sit down, and then it cuts to Jordy, and then it cuts back to Data, and there's a guy coming up with, like, this weird wand thing. Yeah. And he starts running it over her hair. And then we cut back to Jordy and cut back to Data. And then as he runs it over her hair in the background, it goes from, what was it, dark? Green. It dark goes from green, green to brown. And then when he goes, as he goes down it, and then when he goes back up over it, it becomes red. Yeah. And it was a really great effect for just the background. Yeah. Like, something that I didn't... I've seen this episode multiple times. I've never noticed that before. <laughs> it's <laughs> a cute... It's a nice little world-building moment. Uh, it, yeah. yeah. It, it's nice to know that technology advanced in all areas. Because when, when... I wish I had one of those. I'm when, just saying. When the Bolian is cutting Jordy's hair, he's just using scissors and, and uh, a comb, like a normal barber would. Mm-hmm. So to show that technology advanced in all areas, including hair... Yeah. is a nice touch to know that thing in the background that you can dye people's hair with just waving yeah. a wand over them. But I also love that it's in the background. It's something they didn't have to do. No, they didn't have to do that at all. And they it sure cost them there. money to do it. Yeah. But they did it just because it was something that the fans who were paying attention would like. I mean, yeah. that is a nice little level. I love it when they put in little flavorings like that in shows. <laughs> you could tell which one's Eric's favorite. <laughs> which which one show? Yeah, yeah, I love Next Generation. I, uh, they did this in DS Nine too. Just I just noticed this. I know, no, no, no. You're good. Uh, so then it's get... adorable. Thank you. Um, I do like how Data relates to all the other crewmates. In particular, when he goes to get his wedding gift, he goes there and meets Worf, and he mentions in his voiceover that they're both orphans raised by humans. So in a way, they're both outsiders in a culture they can never really be part of. Yeah. And I like that element. 
uh, one thing I don't like about this is that Worf acts like he's upset about having to go to the wedding a bit. And Worf is a romantic. He's, he's a very romantic character. He doesn't show it, but he's very romantic. Honestly, he should be taking this more seriously than anybody else. And yeah. what gift he should get. We because he acts like it's nothing. Yeah. Like, uh, and I get them, whatever. <laughs> well, he should be like... We should have checked to see if, uh, like, on the, the table of presents, there was, like, a batleth or something. Because yeah. at the end of this episode, the end of the scene... Like, Worf is debating replicating, like, a little swan bowl to give them, a little crystal swan bowl to give yeah. them as a gift. And Data says, oh, it was my understanding that a wedding present should reflect the person giving it. When I look at this, I don't think of you. And then he cuts to the swan and then back to Worf's face, and it's meant to be comedic. He's not a swan kind of guy. I, I'm, I'm just saying that... Um, a crystal batleth would be an awesome gift. That, <laughs> and also, swans will break your arm, yeah. so I think it would work. We both know he is, an, uh, he, he is he, what he really is, is an ugly duckling who became a swan. That <laughs> is him really in heart. Swans are badass, and I will defend them. You know also, I will run from them if I see them. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> They're almost as bad as Canadian geese. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> Swans are dicks. So anyway. <laughs> so are them moosin. <laughs> but in any event, um, we should have checked to see if, since they did that background thing with the hair, they might have gone through the trouble of actually picking out a gift that would clearly be worse yeah. on the table. Oh, man, we needed to do that. Shit. We were too distracted today. I completely forgot about it. We kept having to pause this because I, kept, I had to cook food. And there's guys outside working, and the dog kept barking. So we kept pausing. And Eric this. was eating, and all that. Yeah, yeah. By the time I got to the end of it, I'd just forgotten about that. But next time we watch this, we'll have to make sure we check. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mention anything in the IMDb database, so I'm going to assume it doesn't mention the hair thing in the IMDb database, which surprises me in yeah. the trivia stuff. Um, so then we get the dancing doctor scene because uh, Worf mentions that I don't really like wedding human weddings because there's too much talking and laughing and dancing and crying. Very relatable. Yeah. <laughs> so Data realizes at that moment he needs to dance and he doesn't know how to, so he goes to Beverly. Beverly Crusher, who the actress in question, Gates McFadden, is an actual tap dancing. Mm-hmm. Like she's actually she choreographed the whole dance sequence. That's yeah. how good she is. Yeah. Uh, and she worked. She um, she gets worried because Data's like, hey, you know how to dance, right? And she's like, how did you know that? And he goes, well, it's in your service record. Uh, uh, award for tap dancing in your, like, 12th year or something like that. Yeah. And she goes, I don't want to be known as the dancing doctor again. And he's like, okay, well, uh, you don't want to teach me. She goes, all right, I'll teach you. Just wait. And then they set up a time later to dance. And then uh, Data gets called, gets called by Picard to the bridge. And Picard orders him to look into the Romulan fleet deployments. And he says, what am I supposed to be looking for? And he says, I'm not going to tell you. Just look, basically. Yeah. Meanwhile, T'Pel is... I keep wanting to call her T'Pol. Because I'm used to T'Pol from Enterprise. Yeah, it's T'Pel. I know. But yeah. T'Pel just keeps standing there kind of glowering. And then uh, shortly after that, he gets called into um, Picard's office and says, what is your evaluation of the Romulan deployments? And he says they're deploying in such a way as to uh, to do provocations against the Federation, to push them yeah. and then see what their reactions are, to test their strengths. And he goes, do you think there's any chance this will, policy will change? And Data goes, oh, it's unlikely, sir. Uh, I do not believe, 90% certainty that this will remain their policy in the foreseeable future. And then Picard says, you see, Ambassador, I'd rather you didn't do this. And he, she goes, I know what I'm doing about Captain. I'm going to do it. 
-hmm. And then he dismisses Picard. In the back, I want to clarify, we don't know what the ambassador is on board for. All we know is that we've been ordered to the Romulan neutral zone, or Mm -hmm. near the Romulan neutral zone, and that she has some kind of secret mission that only the captain knows about. Yeah. Um, Which, normally in these episodes, we would know at least something. Yeah, but we can get away with it in this one because Because we're not... We're only on... Data's perspective. Yeah, we're only seeing this from one point of view, and... Again, this has a lot in common, and I'm talking to Megan about, this has a lot in common with Lower Decks. Yes. Which Lower Decks is a fairly standard story if you just look at it. I fucking love that episode. I know, a lot of people do, but I'm just saying just the story. The story itself is actually fairly standard Mm -hmm. for a Star Trek episode. There's really not much layering to it. Yeah. But it's how it's told that makes it intriguing. You're Mm -hmm. seeing the, the, the main story from an entirely different perspective than you would expect. Yes. And that's what makes the episode intriguing to you. And that's the same for Data's Day. Although we are used to seeing things from Data's perspective, we're not used to seeing things only from Data's perspective. Yes. And the uh, the internal monologue of his letter is actually really good. Yeah. I, I, although I wonder, is he writing this as the day is happening? Or is he recalling the events because he has perfect memory and then writing well, it as Well, he said he reading. was having a recording done of his day at the same time in the beginning. Yeah. So I'm guessing he recorded his day and then he recalled it. That's what I'm guessing. Well, or... Or he might have been writing it throughout the day. Or it could have been basically he was live streaming it like, and then commenting on it as he was going through the day. <laughs> like his internal monologue was actually a voice print he put over the video. <laughs> you could write it any way you wanted to. <laughs> Though I'm actually curious if he could actually send this to Commander Maddox because I'm willing to bet that a lot of this got classified after the events that we're going to talk about in a bit. <laughs> so I'm guessing that what we hear in the letter is about what we get because we don't hear about Tapel in the letter when he's doing his voiceover true. either. But in any event, uh, so I that stuff s- might have been edited. Maybe uh, I want to say that the lady who plays the Vulcan, I'm gonna say that in quotations, ambassador. Yeah, doesn't play a good Vulcan, but she's not supposed to. No, so I don't think at all. A, I don't honestly, and I don't mean to knock. I the don't act- think it's supposed to be intentional. Yeah, that's my point. I don't think I don't mean to knock the actress, but I don't think it's an intentional aspect. I don't think she's intentionally playing a bad Vulcan to set up the ending. Yeah, but I because she doesn't. It doesn't really come across as very Romulan either. No uh, spoilers. The the yeah, the no, lady says a, a Romulan. She's a, she's an undercover Romulan, but. Um, it doesn't come across as really that Romulan either. It doesn't, There's, and it doesn't seem like a mix between the two. It comes across more like she's just a plot device. Just a plot device, and not a very not able to nail either Romulans or Vulcans, or a Romulan playing a Vulcan. No, but since she is playing the two layers, I can forgive it. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm willing to forgive it because, I mean, she's supposed to be somebody playing somebody else. So yeah, she's somebody who's been living a lie. If she had been a little more Vulcan or a little more Romulan, I would have liked it. Honestly, I think she should have played it. She was the weakest part. Honestly, I think what she should have done is she should have played it very stilted Vulcan. The idea that she was just on autopilot whenever she played Vulcan because she was so used to doing it because apparently she'd been pretending to be a Vulcan ambassador for years. Decades even. Yeah. They should have. So yeah, it's like automatically she just assumes the standard Vulcan perspective. Or it would have been nice if like when Data walked in, she immediately went stiff and stuff like that. Yeah, she just, sat up straighter. Yeah. Or um, like she was like doodling yeah. out of one hand and she didn't really like look at it all that much. Something that a Vulcan wouldn't do. No. Um, but, you know, this was what, 80 or 92 at, or 91? 
So, I mean, they don't, they probably didn't think about that kind of stuff then. Yeah, this was 91. Yeah. January 5th, 91. I was, I had been born for about five months. Hmm. Hold on. Four months. Okay. Okay. Uh, then we get a scene with uh, Cole Meany as Miles O'Brien where he goes to Data and asks him to talk to Keiko. Uh, Cole Meany's a great actor. I'm really glad he picked up. We actually watched Under Siege for the first time in years last night. He was fun. And he's in that. And it's surprising he's in that because it doesn't seem like he should be. We always think of him as Miles O'Brien or the guy from uh, Hell on Wheels where he plays a, a rich aristocratic asshole. And it's weird. We have to, to remember he's in movies like Under Siege and Con Air. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, he had a weird movie career at that time. <laughs> Very weird. Um, but he's a good actor. Yeah. I like the scene he plays. He, he's the Star Trek everyman. He, yeah. He's just a guy and he's being the best guy he can be. Yeah. Uh, so David goes and talks to Keiko. And gives her the logical argument that you you um, assumed that canceling the marriage would make you happy, but you do not seem to be happy. Therefore, your assumption was based on an uh, supposition was based on false deduction. information. Yeah. yeah so um, she gets kind of mad, and you know he he says, "Look, I'm not. I didn't mean to offend you. I just want to know what you need me to do." And she basically tells him to get to go away. And so he goes to Deanna Troy and talks to her. Yeah. And she lays out the argument, you should just leave them alone. They'll figure it out. It's something they if have they're to... meant to be, they'll be. Yeah, they have to figure this out on their own. We can't force them one way or the other. Yeah, which is true. Yeah, if, if they're this close to getting married and she, they stumble at the last few feet, it's either their problem to work out or they weren't supposed to be together and are now facing that. Yeah. Those two things cannot be helped or hurt by either. The only thing you can do as a friend you is can't... support them in their decision. Yeah, you can't save or break a marriage for your friends unless it's, like, they have serious. <laughs> they have to both want to get married yeah. and they have to, or one of them has to seriously not want to get married. Mm -hmm. And if things do fall apart, your job as a friend is just to be there for them through the rough patch. Because okay. both of them are going to go through a rough patch if they cared about each other, but they just don't work as a couple. Yeah. Um, so that's that. And um, that's Deanna Troy's only part in this episode, so props to her. Yeah. She did a fine job, I suppose. I, I, I liked bad. her dress. It was lit. <laughs> I feel really bad for uh, the actress who plays... Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Crusher, and... Marina Sirtis. Sirtis, who played Deanna Troy. As many people have commented on, the, the women in this show did not get all the best episodes. No. I mean, uh, or, like, they... They had moments. Deanna Troy had some moments, but they were, overall... There were some great supporting roles they played in other yeah. people's episodes. They did some good job. They did a good job in a lot of other people's episodes, but when they had their own episodes, they were god-awful most of the time. Yeah, most of the time they were badly written. We yeah. were actually talking during the episode about the first introduction of the Trill... And how, it's so fucking bad. And how it's a, a romance of the week episode with Gates McFadden's character of Dr. Crusher and... and some random dude and then Riker. And then Riker. And then she becomes... And it's then, so uncomfortable. And then the, the, the symbiote joins with a woman. And suddenly it's just, no, I can't do that. And I'm like, and oh. On one hand, I understand. Like, you know, you can't force yourself to be attracted to a gender you're not attracted to, no matter how much you might love the person. But at the same time... The problem time, is that she... She slept with Riker in the same episode. Yeah, and that's I'm like, the part that ruins it. If she had a much better if she hadn't been with Riker, I would understand it more. But it would have been a much better discussion on um, 
the predisposition for particular genders and relationships yeah. and how you can love someone emotionally but not necessarily want them physically, which is true romantic versus sexual, yeah. if they had skipped on the Riker element, if they had just gone from him to a female yeah. that had the same symbiote, same basic personality... It still would have been her. icky, but, I mean, it's... It still would have been difficult to make yeah. work, but it would have worked better. It would have worked better, and especially for that time period. Mm-hmm. But, as is, it's, it's... I think it's, they just wanted to hook Riker up with Beverly Crusher, which is so weird. It's so weird. I don't like it. But it's one of those 90s things everybody had to date. It was born from Mel... I mean, look, like, Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place, like, made it clear that all... all Made the idea that every single large cast had to interdate at some point. Yeah, if which is friends just weird. did it too. Ugh. Yeah. Sometimes okay. it worked. I like I like um, uh, what's her face and Chandler. Yeah, but Monica and Chandler was a good couple. Yeah, but the rest of the interdating didn't really work. For no, fuck. Up. So anyway, then we have a scene where Data's called into the ambassador's quarters, and she asks for access to the information, to classified information, classified yeah. information about the the shield strength or whatever of the Enterprise. Yeah. And Data says, you know, I would have to, I have the same safeguards as the ship. I would have to give all queries like this what I would have to inform the captain of. And she immediately changes tracks and said, I just want to see what your um, safety protocols were. were. I canceled the request. Which clearly is a lie. Mm-hmm. And Data even seems to think it's possible that it's a lie. But he also allows past, past experience to let him know that Vulcan's can't lie. Technically don't lie. Well, he literally says can't lie. Can't and lie. And that's not true. That's Vulcans, not true. Vulcans but... can lie. They just don't like to do it because as creatures of logic, logic is often based on truth. And yeah. truth is very muddled when you add lies into it. Which even, I, yeah. even the half Vulcan, yeah. Spock, always had to have a qualifier when he lied. It yeah. was an implication. It was an exaggeration. It was an omission. Yeah. They were still lies. They just weren't. Li- they weren't in. They were lies of a particular flavor. Yeah. But that was close enough that he could let it slide. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm willing to accept it because Data's experience with Vulcans is limited. Can, limited because if if you haven't watched Next Generation yet, there isn't a Vulcan. No, there are no. Well, there was like a, main cast member. No, there was a recurring uh, Vulcan. Nurse for a little while for the first two seasons, and I only know and that. And I liked her too. I think her name was Sailor. Yes, yeah, Sailor. The only reason I know that is because she shows up in the new Frontier book series as the chief medical officer of that ship. Yeah, and she's actually really interesting as a character. The entire if no one's had a chance to read the new Frontier series, I'm really sad that series fell apart so fast. Yeah. It, like it's like they they tried it. Then they started breaking the crew up because they didn't know what adventures to write for them. And then basically the series just kind of drifted into nothing. I really feel bad because I thought the cast was a really great combination of unique characters and callbacks. Like Commander Shelby from the Best of Both Worlds story is the first officer in that show. Yeah. Um, Or in that book series. I would recommend it. I really liked it. Although the fact that Shelby used to date the captain is a little weird. Yeah. But they also were a good couple. Like they played off each other well. But anyway, um, then there's the tap dancing scene, which is great, between yeah. Gates McFadden and a stand-in for Brent Spiner. That's actually not him. Ah. The IMDb trivia. Okay. Uh, but she that makes did, sense. She does do her actual tap dancing. It would explain why he had to look down. Yeah, kept... so we wouldn't see his face. Yeah. The argument in the episode, by the way, is why doesn't Data, if all he's going to do is watch, why does he just pull up a hologram and watch it do it? 
and copy it. I feel like it's because he wants human connection. Well, not just that. Yeah. The reason from an out-of-world perspective is that a hologram wouldn't know to tell him that tap dancing isn't the kind of dancing they're going to do at the wedding. Yeah. But a person would. Yeah, that too. Which is what happens after Data proves to be amazing at tap dancing. After uh, watching her one time. Yeah, he uh, he decides, he mentions that he has learned how to dance so he can be do it at the wedding. And she mentions they're not going to do tap dancing at the wedding. And she, he asks why. And she says, I don't know. But they're not going to. just gonna. don't. Yeah. So <laughs> she tries. Means, she you guys, tries, if you get married, add tap dancing. <laughs> no. <laughs> she, uh, so she decides to teach him a waltz. And he's bad at it at first because he can't look at her feet. But then he does get better at it. Yeah. And then he, she gets called in for the pregnancy. The, the, the lady is going into uh, labor. labor. So Data creates a hologram. And they start dancing. Uh, and then, uh, and then the, the Romulans, okay, they arrived at the neutral zone, they got contact with a Romulan ship and was told to meet at the predestined coordinates, which they then did, and the ambassador then said, I'm going to beam over there, there's no, there's no standing protocol for this kind of situation, but I'm going, my suggestion logically is to transport over to your ship so I can begin the negotiations, and Picard's like, you know, but you shouldn't do this, we can host a Romulan delegation here, and she's like, yeah, I find your question illogical. Your objection is illogical, Captain. And then she just walks away, and then during the beaming process, something happens, and she, quote-unquote, dies. dies. And this is the, the death moment. Uh, like I said, I really wish they'd leaned into the, the big moments in life a bit more, because yeah. all three of them, uh, like, two of them are kind of background, but they're all three there. Birth, yeah. marriage, and death. Yeah. Because in this moment, there's literally a moment when they're... Three stages of life, right? Yeah, there. when they're in get investigating... Her death, I'm going to say that in quotations because she didn't die. Uh, they, the Picard has like a little brief conversation with himself where he says, you know, not a death during a transporter accident, not exactly dignified for someone with as distinguished a decades-long career as the ambassador to Pell or something like that. Yeah. And it's meant to be a commentary. And Data even does an over thing where he goes, I've noticed that death is, mourning is often true whenever a life is cost, but it's particularly hard when it's a comrade. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, like I said, just a little touchy on the death element. Yeah. And then, so Data, I like that Picard, like, he gets, he has a banter conversation with the Romulan captain. Yeah. Which makes you, when you know the twist ending, re- really makes you hate that bastard. Because it's yeah. like he's twisting the knife in something that is that he knows is not Captain. It's not Picard's real. Or, or Picard's fault. Yeah. Or his plan at all. No. And so, um, so then... Uh, Data is... Picard realizes it's a little too perfect. Yeah, this is a little too, too convenient. convenient. So, What are the chances? Yeah, uh, that a, an un, a never-before-seen version of a transporter accident happens to happen on a never-before-attempted negotiation with the Romulans. On a, on a transporter pad that has never had any malfunctions. And was just recently overhauled. And just recently uh, overhauled. To, for safety reasons. Yeah, so there's... So, it's... It's a little too convenient. So he tells uh, um, Data, I want you to find out what happened. I refuse to believe this is just some random malfunction. Data starts investigating, and then he goes to... Um, uh, he goes to Dr. Crusher, mm-hmm. and he says, did you compare the DNA of what was left of... Because there was only a little bit of residue left yeah. of the ambassador. Did you compare that DNA to her last transporter scan? And... Beverly goes, no, that isn't standard procedure. And he go, she goes, why? And he goes, I believe I may be chasing an untamed ornithoid without provocation. 
And she goes, a wild goose chase. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he worded that. By the way, there's a great callback to that joke. I think it was intentional in Stargate SG-1 Season 1, huh? which I know you haven't seen yet. No. There's a scene where uh, their alien character, Teal'c, has been trying to learn human things throughout up to this point. Yeah. And there's an episode where um, the Kurt Russell's character, not played by him, it's played by MacGyver, but... That character, Jack O'Neill, mm -hmm. is in a situation where he's not sure if he's going to live, like he's probably going to die. Yeah. And he knows it. Mm -hmm. And Teal is just standing right there. Like the, the relationship between all four of the main characters is one of the reasons I think you'll actually end up liking that show. They're really good together once they get past the weird sex episode. But it's, Okay. <laughs> it's like Torchwood in that regard. Oh. But yeah, but that was like the second episode of Torchwood. <laughs> I think it's actually like the third or fourth of no. of SG one. Oh, okay. I was like yeah. But it, there's a there's a Don't argue with me about Torchwood. There's a caveman episode. God, what a where bad show. There's a there's a viral caveman episode where the virus passes between the people on the base that are turn them all into cavemen. And it also causes all the women and men to have like heightened sexual desires because they needed to breed. Uh, there's also an episode where um, a lady with magic euphoria powers shows up on the base and turns all the men libidinous. Yeah, once you get past those episodes, it's actually really good. But anyway, in that, okay. episode, in that episode, Jack O'Neill thinks he's going to die. Mm -hmm. And um, he says to Teal, who's just been standing by his side the whole time, he goes, uh, you know, Teal, you don't have to be here all this time. And he goes, untamed equines could not drag me away. And then Jack goes, it's wild horses, Teal'c. It's wild. That was a joke, wasn't it? <laughs> you just told a joke. Don't make me laugh. And then, you know, Teal kind of smiles to show that, you know, he's still trying to keep it light. It's, it's a, I, I like elements like that. that yeah, show. that's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> that's a really that good joke. joke. Damn. That was a joke, wasn't it? That was, you told Un a joke. Untamed equines. <laughs> Untamed equines could not drag me away. <laughs> it's wild horses, Teal. keeps wild. Wait, that was a joke, wasn't it? You just told a joke. Amazing. Um, Anyway, so the, they do a comparison. They find out that the DNA that was left or the, the sludge, the biological sludge that was left behind was actually replicated. And Data has deduced that what happened was that the Romulans modified their transporter to perfectly in sync with the Enterprises and then beamed simultaneously her off of, our, of the Enterprise transporter while beaming in the sludge at the exact moment that the, uh, the transporter on the Enterprise was activated. So they basically they lost her, they lost her pattern because she was no longer there. Yeah. Um, so they do a, a moment where Picard like looks out the window and then they do the voiceover where if I know Captain Picard's personality, there's only a, oh, the most logical and safest choice would be to leave the neutral zone and inform Starfleet awaiting further orders. But knowing Captain Picard as I do, I only foresee a 17% chance that this was what he will do. And he immediately turns around and says, set course, set course for the Romulan ship. Put us on red, red, warp. Put us on red alert. <laughs> yeah, that red alert, set course for the Romulan ship, maximum warp. And then he walks out the door. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> and it's really weird to see Patrick Stewart walking with any of his staff because Riker, the, the Jonathan Frakes is a good foot and a half taller than yeah, him, at least. We forget how tall he is yeah but he makes picard look so much shorter but whenever patrick stewart is standing alone behind his desk or anything like that he looks towering yeah he just projects power it's yeah. great yeah 
So they, they run back, um, and then they, they contact the, um, the Romulan ship. Turns out the Romulans actually, as we mentioned earlier, planted a fake ambassador. I don't know if she's been impersonating a particular... I don't, I don't know if there was actually a Tapel and she replaced her, or if she's been doing this for decades. I'm going to assume it's the, the, the first one, because yeah. we were conversating how this is not... It, they should have known before now. But no, well, at the same time, her DNA should match, shouldn't match. Yeah. Uh, you know, if she wasn't the original Tapel. Yeah. So either she replaced her and managed to mimic her DNA, like they retrovirused her DNA to match perfectly. Or she's literally been doing this for decades. And she's they literally notice. been pretending to be a Vulcan ambassador, rose through the ranks of Vulcan, of the ambassador. And I'm just, I'm, I'm assuming, because like there are differences between Vulcans and Romulans, I'm... Well, just DNA, you can, you know, yeah. in modern, even in the 90s, you could tell, like, DNA, so, like, some DNA types to know whether or not they were, like, you know, an O-type or A-type, whether they were, um, like, part of, whether they were boy or girl. So I have a hard time believing that that far in the future, they couldn't tell the difference genetically between Romulans I know, I'm just saying, I think at the time they didn't understand how genetics worked. Yeah, fair Because it, it was still very much developing. So I think that's what it was, was a confusion on how DNA worked. Fair enough, but I still have a hard time believing that that's, like, in the logic of now. Yeah. It's harder to like that element, because it seems like they should have noticed at some point that she was a Romulan. She was different. And, no. Uh, but if that's true, then all, that, all those cool Enterprise era episodes made no damn sense. Yeah. So. Uh, true. Unless uh, they're saying that they're, like, the difference between, like, wolves and dogs where it's just genetically insignificant i'm guessing that's the case but yeah. the part that bothers me is that there should have been some other signs yeah they didn't they needed to set it up a little bit it better. would have made so much more sense if she had just replaced tapel over like the last two years got yeah. as much information as she could and then was going back yeah and but then you'd have to excuse the dna testing that literally led to them realizing she was still alive which yeah. is weird because the truth, I mean, unless I don't think we'll ever know the exact details. <laughs> details. The, okay, the only way I can buy it is maybe, maybe she did replace Tapel. Yeah. But someone that was working for the Romulan government, maybe a Tal Shiar member, managed to hack into the DNA, her the Federation DNA, DNA records and, and, and change, change them. It. That Maybe. would that would work. And then, for me. in the next mass firmware update, when all the updates go out to all of the ships. You know, yeah. Whenever they pass by a station or whatever, it just updated their own records and they didn't know the difference. Yeah, that might I, okay. I'm I can head, work with that. I'm gonna headcanon that because <laughs> I don't think that's. I think it's just you're right. They didn't know enough about DNA back then. Yeah, I, I honestly, I honestly don't think they knew enough about DNA for it to like to to realize how genetically significant the difference would be. <laughs> but I also, I actually like that because it also implies that Tal Shiar actually has connections or at least the ability to hack into. The Federation Starfleet, database yeah. and change things, which is actually nice. I, I'm I, guessing since it's such a small, th like I'm guessing they do that with like very very small things. Like that's something that mm -hmm. you wouldn't even like think Two about. Lock on, yeah. yeah. Uh, hell, they could have had her do it. Like all she would had to do was like go in for her her up her yearly checkup, yeah. like, Right after she changed, and then while the doctor was out of the room, like go to the 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 kiosk and like put in like a chip. Yeah. That would update the virus and then take it back out so it would change her DNA results and then it just went out on NAS. Yeah. 
Like, I could, okay, I'm going to headcanon, that's what happened. That's the only way I can make this make sense. Yeah. But, uh, but Picard was outmaneuvered, because yeah. even though he was willing to fight to save her, the fact that she actually was a turncoat, they now know that, so they can change all the codes and information she might have had access to, and that there's a second Romulan Warbird, which, by the way, fi- I like it whenever they remember the Enterprise is supposed to be fucking powerful. Yeah. Like, the Enterprise could take on one Romulan Warbird. It would Without be a, any fucking issues. Well, it'd be, it'd be a, it would be stressful. It'd be a stressful cloaking, situation. cloaking technology, but they but, could still do it. Yeah. But two, that's pushing it. And with more and, on the way immediately. Yeah, they all, they said three more were on the way or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so like, it's, he's just been outmaneuvered. Yeah. Uh, I actually like that fact. Because, again, one of the things I cannot defend about Generations is that one old deep seven bird of prey successfully took out the Enterprise. Fuck no. <laughs> that would never happen. No, like, it would have to be at least like ten. If well, it was just, ten of those motherfuckers, maybe. I, I, I maintain if it had been two, if Lursa and Batora had been in command of each in one D7 bird of prey, and they had access to the code that they, you know, the, the shield, shield. Fre- frequency so they could fire through the shields, and they targeted their warp drives and engines on their first blasts. Maybe. Then I could buy the fight. With because then it would be one. similar to what happened in Rathacon. Yeah, I could buy that fight, and I wish they had done that. But they didn't do that. They didn't do they that. They just made a, they made the assumption that we'd accept that one old-ass bird, or one old-ass uh, decommissioned ship can take on the Enterprise just because they have one fucking shield sequency cold. Frequency. Even if they were keeping up with it, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. The Enterprise could, with just a few shots, have taken down their shields and blew them up. Yeah. But like I said, two that were constantly cloaking and decloaking, and with their first shots through the shields, took out the engines mm-hmm. and the warp drive and the sh- and the uh, shield generator. No, no, not the shield generator. They didn't need to worry about that because yeah. they had access to the shields. Okay. Uh, the weapon system. Yeah. Phasers and torpedoes, which they could have done if they were there were two ships. Yeah. They could have easily targeted and then fired. Sorry, here we go again. Rewriting. Rewriting. Rewriting would, shit that won't ever it, be rewritten. <laughs> plus, it would have just been nice from a Lursa and Bator twins, and they each get a command of a ship yeah. kind of element instead of both being command of one ship. Um, so anyway, Picard was outmaneuvered, and there's several episodes later where Picard manages. Like there's there's like a three parter yeah. kind of with the Romulans and their plans. There's the one with um, the Galornan core episode, yeah. where the Romulan crosses into the Federation territory to get their man back. Yeah. And Picard talks them down. Then there's this one where they go into the neutral zone on near the Romulan end and get outmaneuvered. Then there's the third one with uh, the defector where they know they've been told that there's a, a staging base on the Romulan side of the neutral zone. Yeah. And they're there and they're, they're outmaneuvered. They think, well, uh, to Tomalok thinks he's outmaneuvered them. Yeah. And he has them like surrounded by like four Romulan warbirds, and that's when Picard decloaks two has two or three uh, uh, Klingon ships decloak on yeah. his side because he just this is just after Redemption where he helped save the Klingon Empire and Gowron in particular. Yeah. So they owe him. Yeah. And it's that's like a good three parter. There's a lot of good three parter storylines in Star Trek if you think about Specifically, it. Specifically, yeah. Where they they said they do basically the exact same idea. Yeah. But they do it in three different stages to show one the the Federation wasn't in Galornan Corps. The Federation wasn't ready, and the Romulans were, but they were able yeah. to talk them down because they weren't a hundred percent ready. Then in this one, the Picard was outmaneuvered because he didn't know what was going on until the very last second. Yeah. And then in the Defector, the Fed. Picard is already suspicious the whole episode about the motivations of this particular guy. Yeah. 
And then we get, he, so he hedged his bets by calling in a favor to the Klingon High Command because they have access to cloaking machines, cloaking yeah. ships, cloak ships. And, you know, he outmaneuvers them. And I really like that three-stage element because we were mentioning in our last review the three-episode, the Inaugurantane trilogy. Yeah. Where they're all great. <laughs> yeah. They're all great stories and they just flow really well just as those stories. Mm-hmm. All right, so Picard was outmaneuvered. He decides to go back to the Federation. Uh, then uh, Keiko has a scene with Data where he apologizes, says you don't have to, but you do need because to Because earlier he did... Yeah, we mentioned it. He went yeah, and it was, to her. Yeah, it was the fallout from him talking to her earlier, but mm-hmm. it wasn't really a fallout. So. Yeah, she got upset that he was there, but and then he went to Deanna Troy and she said just stay yeah. out of it. Yeah. So he went back to apologize, and she says, you don't need to apologize, you do need to get dressed, because we're going to be at the wedding in a few hours. He goes, the wedding is back on? Yeah, well, don't be ups- don't be nervous. He goes, I'm not nervous, I am confused. <laughs> and she just smiles at him, <laughs> and I'm like, aw, I love friendship. <laughs> then we have a beautiful wedding, <laughs> yeah. where Miles, it's very J- Japanese-inspired. Uh, She's clearly wearing some sh- weird, crappy space version, version of a... Of a- uh, I'm not sure what they're called. I, I don't want to mispronounce the word or missay what they are. Is it a gi or something like that? No, gi is what men wear. Okay, um, my apologies. It uh, would be a... Uh, we just watched the Grunk in Part 2. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it starts with a K. Um, kimono. Okay, well, kimono. whatever it is. Yeah. I don't want to misspeak. Yeah. I don't want to just defend it's a it because it's beautiful. Yeah, it's this cute pink... Yeah. thing and her hair looks awesome and like I said we did recently watch uh, Karate Kid Part 2 so I was listening to the music I'm like thinking back to the, the tea scene oh. in Karate Kid Part 2 you were listening to the music that I was listening to the music for the third season of Cobra Kai <laughs> <laughs> they have an they have a track called Miyagi Metal come on <laughs> and it's fucking badass I love that tea scene in, in Karate it's, Kid it's Part cute. 2 <laughs> it's, it's actually the thing I remember most vividly about Karate Kid Part 2 was the tea scene where they're sharing Yeah, tea. both of them are really nice. <laughs> yeah, I like those. So anyway, they have a beautiful marriage. We should have checked the wedding gifts My to see if there was one. My emotional show. <laughs> yeah. We should have we checked the wedding gifts to see if there was something from Worf, but yeah. we screwed up. Uh, then we we're went... fucking failures. We're the worst reviewers. Worst podcast ever. Worst um, podcast ever. I'm glad we don't have any listeners. They'd all be. They'd all be. They sad. would fucking delete this. Yeah. <laughs> Cancel this. <laughs> we would deserve it. <laughs> well, I would, anyways. <laughs> so then we uh, then we get a scene with Picard, and I don't care what anybody says. He's fine with kids. He says a hard time talking to them. Yeah. Where he's looking at the baby, and it's was... sweet. It's really sweet. He mentions that while we were on the verge of dying this little life was struggling this to live this little miracle yeah, he little called, miracle him, was happening. called him a miracle and i'm like oh, oh. <laughs> and then i'm like oh no i'm i'm going soft <laughs> so he i he say this like kid. i don't cry and I, <laughs> and I love that he he literally says to the kid welcome aboard that was so sweet yeah <laughs> it is just a really sweet especially since scene. it was right after he did the the wedding ceremony yeah. so that was really cute yeah and then Data says that uh, he goes to relieve Worf for the night shift. Yeah. And he mentions in his conversation with Maddox, in the voiceover, uh, if humanity is more than just flesh and blood, then maybe one day I too will achieve it. Yeah. Something like that. And then... It's actually a really touching yeah. um, speech kind of thing. Yeah. Like I said, in my opinion, this episode was, was mostly, or at least trying to be about, the big moments in a human's life. Birth... Death and ma- birth, marriage, and death. Yeah. Or at least three of the big moments. Yeah. 
And that was that was the episode. Uh, it's good, not my favorite, but good. I um, love it. I remember. Well, obviously, it's in your top twenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. You say that in every episode. I'm like, it's literally. And you inter and you interrupt me every time. It's literally to... your list. Like, yeah, you it's my list, and you interrupt me every time when I'm about to explain. <laughs> well, now I don't want to. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. Um, I I I remember watching it and being like uh, what one second just in case this is your first listen for this megan didn't watch anything star trek related at all until i went and watched the whole series with and that her. was about three years ago now right three or four not long ago not that well we wrapped it up about we two started ago. when around 2016 yeah so i think 2007 or early 2017 somewhere around there we wrapped it up about a year and a half ago yeah because it was right after, right, right before we moved in where we are now. Yeah, so it'd be late 2016, I believe. Yeah, and, and I mean everything. We did the original series, Next Generation, DS9, Order Major. of when it came out. <laughs> well, mostly. Mostly. We did Except the movies. For... We did the movies uh, chronologically. Mm -hmm. We did the original series, the first six movies, Next Generation, those four movies, DS9, Voyager, and then Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, and then we did the. Uh, cartoon series on a lark about a year after we were finished with it we yeah just for fun because <laughs> we never watched i've never watched the animated series at all uh, but uh, just so anyone knows she's not speaking with the mindset of nostalgia the no, only I thing have... star trek she had ever seen was the 2009 movie into darkness uh star trek into darkness with both of them when both of them came out and she watched first contact when it came out with her dad. And I have some vague impressions of Rathacon. Vague, vague impressions. impressions. But I remember First Contact somewhat clearly. It, I wasn't in my double, double digits, but I do somewhat remember it. So anybody out there who says she's doing this because she's a big nostalgia? She's a, she's a chill for the... Nostalgia, for the nostalgia machine. Yeah, I'm just saying, for the record, she didn't get into this until she was... Almost, she was past 25 is when she got through most of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. So, I just want to clarify that for anyone out there. Go ahead. Yeah. So, anyways, I remember watching this with Eric and him not, he didn't say, he, he just kind of didn't really react to it, but I kind of really liked it. I would just remember watching it and being like, oh, this is adorable. Like, in my head, I'm like, oh, oh, this is really cute. I like this. This is adorable. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of the it was kind of along the same lines of like, I like this episode the same way I like the episode after Best of Both Worlds. Uh, what was it, Family? Yes. Yeah, I I like those. Another two. one I didn't really like when I first saw it. Yeah. But I love. I've grown to love a lot. As yeah, I I like both those episodes along the same vein. Mm -hmm. It's just like they're very. Although the the family one is a little more, it's a little more dark. But it's very touching. It's dealing with trauma and the leaning. It's what, what you have. It mainly deals with how you relate to your family. This sounds weird, but I connect with characters like uh, Data and Dr. Bashir and stuff like Because I also. Because I find. You're also a thin man. I am not a thin man. I am the opposite of a thin, tall man. I am very much the opposite of that. <laughs> but um, no, it's more like I relate to the difficulty of trying to connect with people you know it's 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 not just an emotional thing it's just communication is hard and it's nice to see characters that i relate to in that kind of way you also like the doctor and seven from voyager for the same reason i'm assuming oh the yeah yeah they've all had they had problems interacting with people yeah just different levels yeah different ways. Why you like spock so much too 
yeah, it, it's just like they're characters that don't interact with people the same way that you always see in every other show where they're just like honestly Hoshu should have been that for Enterprise but they, she should have been came but they they didn't and I hate to say that because I like her in seasons three and four in three and four she's really good but in the first two seasons they just kind of like all the all the annoying bad characteristics of that kind of character they stumbled like they pushed it onto her mm-hmm. without giving her any of the good characteristics that the others have yeah. so it, it's just like I have. A hard time. Eric has been my friend for a very long time, but I'm just like yes, this. I bear be- that cross. <laughs> I feel so bad for him for dealing with my my bullshit all these years. No, but it's just like it's nice to find characters that aren't neurotypical, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's nice to find people that you connect with on that and like because. Mm-hmm. And this is an episode Making, about connections. Yeah, it's about connections and how somebody who would not make, who doesn't seem like they would be able to make or hold friendships can can actively hold positive relationships. And it's different kinds. And they're not all romantic. Mm-hmm. It's friendship. None of them are. None of them, except for the one Actually, between... Data, with, with the exception of his boning of the Borg Queen and yeah. his sleeping with Tasha Yar... He is the most asexual character in the entirety of Star Trek. Because there's literally the yeah. entire episode about Spock wanting to bone a chick. Yeah. <laughs> so we know he has a sex drive. It's yeah. just the Vulcans don't interact all that. Don't get yeah. driven all that often. Yeah, the problem is that Data is an android and not a human being. But it's yeah. the closest I'm going to get, damn it. <laughs> yeah, and Bashir was laying it down all the time. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bisexual disaster. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so... <laughs> But yeah, I just I relate to characters that that just talk too much or don't talk enough or just can't. You must love Barkley. I fucking love Barkley. Isn't <laughs> that a Barkley episode? And it's you know that there's a there are fucking five series mm-hmm. and there's only a limited number that twenty can go to. That's yeah, twenty. <laughs> um, I'm going to toss you. <laughs> For the record, there are a total of 28 seasons across these. It's really hard to narrow these down for me. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Like, across these five shows. Because there's three seasons of the original series, seven in TNG, seven in DS9, seven in Voyager, four in Enterprise. So that's a total of 28. Yeah. And I'm assuming none of them in the animated series is going to count towards your list. No. You know, we did an honorable mention for one. Yeah, but that's about it. That's yeah. all that that animated series is going to get for me. But, um... Yeah, it's 20, when Eric said 20, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I'm like, as I'm doing this, I'm like, oh, my God, that's I could easily do 50. What the fuck? <laughs> I could easily do so many more. So narrowing this down is really hard. Picking my favorite above all the uh, it, it changes. Like some of the episodes that we did, I'm like. I love that episode, but maybe I should have changed it for a different episode. And then I'm like, no, 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 I like it there. And then I'm like, no, I shouldn't. It's actually one of the reasons I like you doing this because it's more organic. It's more like what you like. At the it's moment. like my uns, my subconscious, it's like thoughts. My yeah. thoughts just go stream of consciousness. I think it was the first yeah, going yeah. Yeah, you can see why I can re- re- relate to characters that can't talk or mm-hmm. talk too much <laughs> well we both know i talk way too much so you relate to me mm. uh but i think that's it was there anything else on this episode you noticed that you wanted to bring up or something you wanted to discuss about it um 
I kind of wish Guinan was in it. Yes, that would have been nice, especially been... since the wedding takes place in 10-4. Yeah, it would have been nice to at least see her in the background. She's actually... She's the maid of honor. Yeah, uh, she's one of my favorite characters. For all we know, she might be asexual. I don't think we ever see her with a man. No. Although she does that she... weird flirting thing with yeah. the Riker in one episode. Yeah, she she's an interesting character. I, I like Guinan quite a bit. Uh, didn't she say she had a son? I think she might have in one episode, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think she had a kid at some point. Mm. Not in the show, of course, but beforehand. But I like Guinan quite a bit. I think she would have added to it. It, it. I feel, I feel bad because Diana Troy and her have like the same job, job, basically in the show. But I like. Like Guinan more. <laughs> well, Guinan's actually got some cool story elements to her. Yeah, she's a Deanna, mystery. Deanna has okay. Deanna has the exact same uh, thing as uh, Spock, where yeah. she's half human and half something else. Yeah. But we rarely ever get anything about Betazoid culture, no. aside from her mom, who is annoying as hell. Like I don't hate Lysana, but I also don't want to watch her <laughs> at There's all. There's like three episodes she's great in. Yeah. And, and two of them are in DS9. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two of them are in DS9. The last episode she has in, in Next Generation though was good. It's the one where she has a, the daughter she lost and she's remembering, remembering yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like that one about... She also had a, some really bad episodes in DS9 too. <laughs> she had that weird sex episode. Yeah, that one was bad. I fucking hate that episode. But yeah, the episode where she lost her daughter and then she's finally telling like it not only is it great in and of itself, and not only does it deal with something that a parent like like is an actual Parents trauma, actually deal with, yeah. But it actually retroactively makes so much more sense of her relationship Why with Deanna. Why she's so protective and, and controlling and weird about her daughter. I mean because she not only lost her husband. The worst part was, I actually remember a comment you said before we were watching. Like, it was like her first episode, Luxana sh- showed up. And he's like, and you're like, look, I'm sorry to say this, but this reminds me of you and your mother. And I'm like, what does that mean, Eric? And you were like, just watch. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me. Was I wrong? <laughs> no. That's the worst part. It's no. definitely elements. You're, you're not exactly the same, but your no. relationship was pretty damn close. I'm, I'm very... Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not like Deanna in, in, in a lot of ways, but no. I... It, you don't get raped all the time. No, thank God. <laughs> no. Fucking poor Deanna. But no, it's more like the, along the lines of the serious daughter and the very fucking... Weird ass mother. Yeah. Relatable as shit. <laughs> By the way, can I just say for the record for anyone who thinks I was making light of Deanna being raped, No, that shit ain't funny. That That's why funny. those are and my I, least favorite episodes of fucking Next Generation. Well, I think the least favorite is the one where Dr. Crusher gets raped. That but, one sucks too. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is that my biggest complaint about the movies. Yeah. One hundred percent my biggest complaint about any of the movies. Yeah is that Deanna Troy's only story elements in all four of the films are falling back in love with Commander Riker and being raped in the movie where she gets married to him. Yeah. Like, she has nothing else in those movies. I mean, it's more than Jordy, who has one one great moment. Yeah, which is the in the third movie, which is the one, one of the ones you don't like. I hate that movie. No, it's... you hate Nemesis. You don't like Insurrection. I hate both of them, Eric. You know that, right? Insurrection is genuinely aggravating to me. Insurrection. No, I'm sorry. Nemesis is genuinely aggravating. Insurrection is just disappointing. It's fucking boring as shit. It's not worth it. But it does have 
one great moment where he's standing on the planet and he's looking at it with his eyes. His the sunrise. Own, the sunrise, yes. Because he literally says, you, you know, before we go, I just, you know, I've never seen a sunrise, at least not the way you do. And then he just stands there and watches it with Cat Picard. Cut that scene out and just delete the rest of the movie and you're good. <laughs> but like, Jordy... We both know the boob line was necessary. No, it wasn't. Future Star no, Trek. No, no boob line is necessary in Star Trek. Have you noticed your boobs have begun to firm up? Not that we care about such things in this day and age. I know. I'm like, you it know. Was funny when... I've been feeling old lately, but now my boobies bounce better. I do absolutely love the fact that that Tata goes and repeats it to Worf, though. <laughs> that is pretty funny. I forgot what? about that. He walks over and Worf's like, I, I, feel, I feel the urge for a live Kolar beast. I believe this planet is affecting me again. And have you noticed your boobs have begun to firm up? <laughs> Not that we care about such things in this day and age. <laughs> okay, so I'll give that... That, that's pretty funny. <laughs> okay, never mind. Insurrection's the best movie of all three. I'm a fucking... I might, was fucking wrong. That actually might be the only genuinely great comedic moment in all of Star Trek. Like, there's a lot of other moments that are funny-ish or mildly charming, but yeah. that is legitimately that's, hilarious. That's fucking funny. <laughs> he said it so completely honestly. He's like, and have He's you like, your boobs have begun to firm <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> it's so funny. We went way off topic again. Yeah, I mean, or at least we're on Star Trek. Usually we just go somewhere else completely. We're, we're, we're both ADD and hyperactive. So if you're going to listen to our podcast, expect Sorry. us to deviate. We it's will deviate badly. Like, Stream of consciousness is a fun thing, though. Yeah. This is like this is like a psychological study. In, yeah, in the future, and, scientists will study this podcast to understand hyperactive ADHD. ADHD this is what more. untreated ADHD sounds like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with it. This is why you need universal health care and yeah. and to destroy the stigma that mental health is in your head, but like in a bad way. Yeah. Like, no shit, it's in my head. That's what the problem is. We should probably end this here. Yeah, sorry. Uh, it's okay. Uh, so this uh, this has been fun. Um, I yes. really, I like Data's Day. It's overall good. I'm glad you picked it. Yeah. Uh, and we are, I think, are somewhere around episode 12 or 13 at this point. There's not much left. Yeah, let me double check. I know, uh, I know another Dick's Generation episode's popping up soon. Probably do that one next. And then... Yeah, this is episode 13. I'm going to try to hold off on... A, there's going to be one more DS9 episode at least. Well, we got... After this one, you got 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. So you got seven more to go. Yeah. And then you said you want to do a couple honorable mentions. Yeah, we're going to do that uh, the second to last episode, though. Okay. So you got seven more. That one's going to be a... As if I planned this one. But uh, but that one's going to be a little less planned. The okay. honorable mentions will probably just be whatever I think of right. so but. but for now that's where we're going to end this episode like i said we're probably we're going to try to be back next week with no promises yeah and there will not be a rock like, episode this week again i don't think we have any listeners so i'm not worried but yeah. still on the off chance someone starts listening to this while we're gone and gets through the entirety of the series we will be back with just post this on my blog it's not like it's going to help anything yeah. <laughs> we will get through to rock again before too much longer just mm -hmm. not right now all right, yeah. in the meantime, stay safe out there. COVID is still a thing. The vaccine's coming out, but so is a more virulent version of COVID, so be careful. Yay! And, uh, <laughs> and uh, stay safe because there are a lot of crazy people that want to storm the Capitol still. 
Uh, if so, you need a time capsule for the year 2020 to 2021, here yeah. you go. This is it. Right here. So in the meantime, this is Eric. This is Megan. And you have fun out there, and we hope you enjoyed our conversation on Star Trek. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>